Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're talking fungicide. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at a new herbicide available for next year. We'll do a GDU update and we'll wrap things up with some cool beans. That's corny and current events. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So here we are. Wheat harvest is full bore. Seen a lot of it coming off. Saw some straw bales littered on the side of the road yesterday. So somebody must have had a bad day with the straw baler. Uh, <clears throat> Would you guys say wheat harvest is the official start of fall harvest, or is like first crop hay like count as no. 2022 harvest? It's first fall, and then first you, fall, then you yeah. have like at this point, I think we're at seventh summer. Uh, and said then, some nineties next week, so we're back back at yeah. it. it. It isn't like straw baling season unless it's ninety and humid. Right, you got to be like remember small square baling straw bales, which yep. they were great because they were light and you oh, could yeah. toss them around. But that it late. was always super hot. Or when you'd have to blow like blow straw up in the up hay in the mow, yeah, and it was always just hot and you're dusty. You know, it was just the blowing was always the worst because yeah. it's just flying everywhere. Like there's yeah. no. Right. There's no, I can handle this differently. It's nope, you're just like standing just, there in a mist of straw dust. You just got to take it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No way around it. Whether it's straw bales or hay bales, though, when you blow your nose at the end, mm. <laughs> it's not pretty. Delightful. Any uh, yields you guys been hearing? Just in general, good. Like 80 to... 115, yeah, over 100, yeah. Yeah, so right around the 100 range, and it seems like good, you know, amount of straw, we, you know, shorter, the wheat was shorter than, so you kind of thought we'd be less than straw, I think it'd be slightly less than maybe average, but it wasn't like way less or anything like that. Yeah, look at the upside, at least it didn't lodge probably as bad because it was shorter. Right, right, a lot stood well, you're right, man, yeah. through all the winds we had and everything, it stood. I mean, I saw a little lodging, but not, not like you see when you get the the real big, tall wheat, and then we've had enough wind and storms and everything else that yeah, ample opportunities to lay it down. Lodged, yeah. And it usually lodges like a week before you're ready to harvest. Right. right. right? It stands all I wouldn't even say summer. a week. It's usually days. Yeah. Like you're just like, oh, I should go today. No, no. Because I had some, a couple guys went ahead of the last weekend storm to try to get it off before any fell over or anything, which was a good idea. So This week should have been a good week, though, right? Yeah, good sunny and yeah, no, yeah, weather-wise kinda, it's and we needed the rain for the corn and beans, so I think guys are happy with that sort of having that pushed them back. I feel like a little bit, yep. maybe a day or two, but otherwise, it's yeah. Monday I was in some fields that were a little wetter, yeah, just from the weekend. But are you guys like quiz? Are you seeing more straw being left in the field than ever before, or the same amount? So where guys are just sort of clipping heads and leaving the straw, or do you think? It's the same. I think from what I've seen so far, it's mostly been straw coming off, not as much. I've talked to a few guys earlier in the season that, you know, we're going to, we're talking about clipping heads probably more than other years, but in general, from what I've seen in the field so far, it's guys just still taking it off. I think it, yeah, what do you think, Bill? Slightly incomplete answer, like incomplete because I haven't. There's still, like, in my travels, a lot of wheat standing. Yeah, Bill goes more north of here, so you're yeah. going to see it. But, like, south of here, there's some areas, like, Ripon, Berlin, that area, a lot of wheat straw left in the field. So a lot of just 
I think it's going to be very area specific to sure what you know whether they have a market for the straw nearby. Right, it all depends of, on what you're doing with right, the straw. Yeah, right. And those might have been guys that always sort of leave it behind because it does seem like that. You either take it or you don't. Like you kind of know. Yeah. But but yeah, I think there's definitely more going into that decision this year than just sort of the nor- than other years with high fertilizer prices, high fuel prices. So. Sweet. So brewers have been doing well post-All-Star break so far. Just heard this morning they had a hitters-only meeting last week, Friday. <laughs> Those meetings never work. I know. Like, hitters-only. Hitters-only. Hitters not, like, te- not players-only. Wait, is that even, like, I never, hitters. in baseball, is that, e- I've never heard of right. that any other team or any other brewer time. Well, here's the deal. I just looked it up. Since the All-Star break... Yes, they're winning close games, which is what we were talking about before, that they're, they're winning the close ones, but they're scoring 8.4 runs per game. Which is way higher. Than yeah. Like, it's a small sample size. Of, it's five games. Yeah. Right. But, but you win four in the major leagues, you, you pretty much win them, you know, three quarters of your games. Or if you score four, I should say, not win four. If you score four runs a game, you're going to win a lot of games. So you're scoring 8.4 yeah, I would have loved to heard audio from that hitters only meeting. Yeah, because what do you say? Hit the hit, ball. Yeah, when the ball comes in, you hit it. You know, like what? What other like? What? What's our see strength? the ball? <laughs> yes, hit the ball. Hit dingers. Like it just sounds like something right from major league. Like yeah. did they bring euchre in there? Right. Like right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even is, like it sounds like a therapy group, like hitters only. <laughs> hitters like, only. You guys. We get, we get to talk about. Do you have anybody to talk about their feelings? You guys are swinging the bat pretty hard out there, guys. Yeah, I was listening yesterday, and it was three to three, and I walked away and came back like two innings later, and it was or three innings later, it was ten to four. I'm like, holy man, where did this explosion happen? So it's good to see because if they want to win in the playoffs, they don't have to score eight point four, but they got to score more than they got to get to four. Then they'll win a lot of games with their pitching. All right. And as mini camps and training camps and everything else have started rolling, we're finally ready to talk about football again. And What are you going to do for me? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. So Aaron Rodgers doing his best Nicolas Cage impersonation, showing up to camp. Wearing a wife beater, some jeans, and his long hair. They even did a slow mo video. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter. I did, yeah. They, they, it, it, it was the Packers even did it. I think. Right, it was the yeah. Packers. Yeah, no, it was the organization. Plus, other people added music and did other things. But yeah, it was. It was. I, I don't know why I think it's cool, but it was kind of. I mean, it's just training camp. You might as well make it fun. But like, think of how big a story that was. Was just how he dressed showing up to camp and all these other sports must just be like, Oh my God, we're playing real games and doing real things here and, <laughs> and we get nothing like, yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers showing up to camp. I guess cause we don't really have anything big to talk about. We didn't get Julio Jones. Yeah. I was, uh, I was opposite Max Trudamas cause a handful of months ago I said the Packers were going to get him on this airwaves. So, sorry, Max. I'm opposite of you. 
Well, that night, was it Sammy Watkins was on the uh, unable to play for non-football issue or something like that? Yeah, he that. basically got hurt somehow. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere off field. That's not related to the Packers. So it's a good start. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, at least we're not talking about Aaron's girlfriend or his tattoo. So. <laughs> It's what he wore. Yeah. It was his practice. outfit. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, like the, the Green Bay Packers are now being covered by the E Style Network. <laughs> yeah. And that is what it feels like. Lately, that's kind of the direction things are going. So, are you a big Nick Cage fan, Matt? Like, um, what's your favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Well, Nicolas Cage is like a shotgun. <laughs> it just kind of goes off in a bunch of different directions, and sometimes hits things, sometimes doesn't. Um, so yeah, some of his movies, like my kids like the National Treasure movies, we showed them those and, and they they really seemed to like them. Um, I do like The Rock with him and Sean Connery, that's probably probably right up there with my favorite Nick Cage movie. Um, and then you, you have like Face Off, which was kind of a ridiculous movie with him and John Travolta swapping faces. I I realize I have seen very little of his movies because yeah, basically National Treasure is the only one. Yeah, well, he he makes a lot. I forget how many movies he's made because he just had a new one not too long ago. Um, that's basically like about him. Okay, it's like some guy that's a Nick Cage super fan, and so he plays himself in the movie. <laughs> it was weird, weird concept. I I don't know if I'll watch that movie, but like I, I'm slightly curious, but not that curious. Wasn't he in uh, like Gone in sixty seconds? Yep, Gone in sixty seconds. He that was did. like the car stealing movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking, which of... is a remake of like an older okay. movie from the sixties or seventies. Um, yeah, he's got a lot. Um, some weird sci-fi ones like The Knowing, and um, oh, what was the other one? There's there like two that came out. One one he's like a psychic, and the other one has aliens. Is he in science? No. Okay. He was not in sight. That was Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson. Um, yeah, he's just a bunch of, a lot of movies. Like Con Air was the one that, that yeah. That this one was directly related to, on. but yeah. Here's his, your favorite part of his. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. Been drinking, have we? Just a nip. Just pop down to the pub for a pint. Bit of all right. Going to arrest the man for that. Going to detain a blighter for enjoying his whiskey. It's all right, that's enough, sir. Beggars and mash, sir. Balls and squeak. What? Smoke your pie, sir. Haggers, that's it. Dismount the banister. Yeah, so that, that kind of sums up Nick Cage in my mind. Is just a lot of weird, weird stuff. Sometimes it's pretty good. Sometimes uh, probably not so much. Just a, an interesting fellow. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of fitting. Interesting fellow. But anyway, you guys ready to get into our topic for today? Let's do it. Talk some fungicide. So what do you got for us today, Todd? Today we're going to talk about timing the fungicide. So we know... So how long it takes to to, yeah, to, you, to activate? To, you to like yes, you hold set your, a stopwatch? Yes. The, the, how fast the, the airplanes fly? How long it takes how, to the, spray a field? Is speaking that of crazy, flying those fungicide airplanes, you've got to be a little bit crazy. You you have to be a lot of bit crazy. Those guys are like in their. Own, it was great because EA Air Show is this week. Yep. So you get to see like when you scout fields near Oshkosh, you get to see like 
those guys doing their stunts. And then this week we saw also fungicide planes going. Doing their stunts. Yes. <laughs> and I was more impressed with the fungicide planes than some of the stunts I saw at EAA because it was, it was like a performance yet practical because they were doing a job. It, was, it's, it is pretty cool. So, so if you're a thrill seeker, this, that'd be a perfect job, right? You get, to, uh, you get to fly around the country or the state and actually get paid to like to fly crazy, to right? Your, yeah. My favorite is still, so there's like a 20, 30 acre field, three quarters surrounded by woods, <laughs> odd shaped, and this guy's doing fungicide. So literally it's like dive bomb and pull up <laughs> and dive bomb and pull up. And it's like, I'm just impressed. Like I, I don't want to stay here and watch you because I'm afraid you're going to crash into something and I don't know that I want to be here for that. But Did you ever get a field banned? Banned? Yeah, like on the do not fly list. I got a field do not fly like list. Like after they flew Yeah, like it? they oh. flew it. And, and they're like, like, I'm never doing that again. We're never doing that again. What was the problem? It was like two high lines that came together crossways. So like whichever direction they flew. They were screwed with you. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. How, how did they not know that before flying? See, that's the other part is like one yeah. of the hard parts of making these lists is, I, you know, I watch that. It's like, where's the high lines yeah. at? Where, you know, is this even going to. Right even going to be work to fly, but you're right. Yeah. yeah the, the co-op called afterwards and you're like, yeah, we're not doing that field ever again. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's pretty impressive that you have your own do not, do not fly yes. list, Bill. Right. Yeah. I'm a, do, do you guys ever see him go under the high lines? Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Like to, to spray and then go like just. Well, what's cool the, is like in central sands when you get the bigger fields and they're like, the corn is just tall enough and you're on the road and you can hear it, but you can't see it. And you're like looking and all of a sudden it just like comes over you. That's, I always like that. That's yeah. cool. No, there's a lot of planes going down that way always. What's your favorite crop duster plane, Matt? For my kids movie that. Favorite <laughs> crop duster plane did for ever, my kids, kids movie? Did you ever, your kids ever watch planes or plane? I think there oh, was a plane. Oh, yeah, too. there was a plate. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Dusty yeah. Crop there's, there's Dusty. Yeah, he's yeah. like the... I just think it's is fun that, that the I, only crop duster for me. I, I think it is obviously, but I think it's fun that they use like that that it is a crop duster that he's what you know kind of like that wild crazy character. Yep, I believe Larry the Cable Guy is the voice. No, no, it's um, he's Mater. He's Mater. Yeah, it's just it is a good movie. Oh, it's Dane Cook is the you is win. the crop duster R- really voice. Dane Cook, yeah, right. hmm. and he wins the. Race around the world or whatever, yeah. man. Like, yeah, I feel like I watched that a long time ago because that's an older movie, right? That's like yeah, car- it came it out up. after Cars, but, but yeah. twenty thirteen def- already almost yeah. like ten years old. It's it's newer than I thought, though. Like, I was thinking like early two thousands. My kids still quote that movie. Really? There's a line in there they're talking about him crop dusting, and um, it's like corn. It gives you gas because they make yeah. Because crop dusting is also. When you fart and walk past someone, yeah. in case you didn't know. <laughs> I like how we have, yes, it is also called that. So, it's an educational podcast, Todd. We have yeah. to make sure that we cover these topics. And they're spraying vitamin mulch. That's what, uh, what we, that's sorry? What, that's what they're vitamin mulch. I think that's what they're spraying on that movie. That's their product. I didn't know you could spray mulch out of a uh, plane. That's what. They say, I'm just saying, that's the I, I believe you. But it's kind of like, you know, when you watch other movies, like, what was it, Barnyard? 
and uh, Kevin James is the voice of a of a cow with an udder, and it's like, uh, you know, that we're not, not saying these are all anatomically correct, Matt. I, I know, but I'm just saying it's it's those kinds of things that like, animators don't seem you to ever, think about. Did you ever watch movies where they have corn in it? It looks nothing like like oh, the ears the, oh, on yeah, the top. top where yeah. the it's worst. Worst. Yeah, it's the worst when the it, it's a field of crazy top. Oh my gosh, yeah. what's going Anim- on? Animated corn is terribly bad. It is bad. It is Why so can't bad. we draw corn correctly? Yeah, it's not that hard. Like not like you can't just go out and look at a corn stalk. I mean, really, there's a lot, enough of it around. Millions of acres. These guys will go to, like, zoos and into Africa <laughs> to draw pictures of lions correctly. But eh, it's too hard to go find a corn plant. I don't know if I can do it. Corn. It gives you gas. I like that because it's deep. Because he's that making like, ethanol. That sounds like Brad Garrett. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it is. is. The, That's that, so is that Dane Cook saying well, it's... No, he's the gas he's truck He's the driver. gas truck guy, yeah. All right. He's the fuel guy. Okay. He's the fuel truck, the voice of the fuel Sounds truck. like I got to watch more Nick Cage movies. And you you I clearly planes. have to watch more planes <laughs> movies, all two of them. Yeah. Then you can uh, watch so. Fire and Rescue, too. There's Is that little, a good version? I have not seen that version of... It's decent. All right. In it's kind of cheesy, but... Just joined us, our podcast on <laughs> children's films <laughs> and how they inaccurately represent agriculture. <clears throat> All right, I'll get us back on track. <laughs> Let's talk about fungicide. Yeah, so fungicide timing. So specifically to when we should be doing it. And kind of it's it's timely because it's right now for most plants. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how to know when tassels will be coming out so know when to time it. And we had talked then that the recommended timing is kind of VT, which is tassel, to R2, which is brown silk. So there's kind of a real wide window. I mean, that could be as wide as two to three weeks window. So when specifically in that two to three weeks, I keep getting this question of, like, when is the best? You know, like, I've got this three-week window. I got this huge window. Like, do I got to be on the early side on it? Do I want to be on the late side? Where do I want to be? And the hard part with that, Todd, is sometimes you don't have control either, right? Because the co-op's... I would say most of the time you don't have control. And and what we'll get into here is that's probably okay. Like, just get it on the books, get it scheduled, and you'll be fine. Like, especially when you're using planes and really high-clearance sprayers, they can't, you know, get all these acres done in a couple days. This is a a week-long process. So uh, University of Kentucky research, and there's also some UW research um, from Damon Smith that indicates that foliar fungi... Fungicides applied at tasseling or early silk provide optimal foliar disease control and is the best chance for seeing yield response. So that's the biggest part I saw there. It wasn't necessarily that they were looking at, like, how to reduce the most disease or when the best timing for, say, that part of the disease part was, is when is the best timing for yield response, which, which is what we are looking for, you know. isn't yep. It isn't like, well, we had some disease and we went too late. It was like, okay, when is the best time for yield response? And it seemed like that they compared it to other applications. So applications that occur after brown silk, so that's like R2 stage, was too late. And then timings ahead of tassel in the early vegetation stage were less likely to provide economic return. So there, too, it wasn't that those didn't have an economic return. They were just less likely um, so basically what they found is, like I said, there's that wide window of VT to R2. 
is maybe we want to be sort of VT to R1 yeah. is sort of that kind of goal stage to really be going after it. Um, so to remind people what VT means, it's vegetative yet, but the T stands for tassel. And it's basically that last branch of tassel is completely extended, but the silks have not emerged yet. R1 stands for reproductive stage one, and silks are just visible outside the husks. So kind of the other part I really see, I mean, pollination starts occurring at R1 as well. You know, you got just heavy pollen flying around. So it's another easy, you know, way to tell what's going on. So kind of the question then is how big is that window? And basically when I looked into sort of all the modeling on, you know, when corn starts to tassel to when it's sort of done with R1 is basically from silking or tassel, it takes 12 days to hit R2. So that basically then is you got that 12 day window to, to hit it, to hit it. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, we were talking ahead of the podcast too is does corn silage matter? Should we be on the early side of corn silage? Should we be on the later side with corn grain? And um, I think all of those things are plausible and make sense that, you know, on corn grain, you want to protect the ears. So you want to make sure more of the ear is out. So maybe on the later side of that 12 day window, corn silage, we're just trying to protect, you know, the plant more so. So maybe a little on the earlier side. Um, but I really couldn't find anything specific that if you were, you know, on day, on right at VT or R1, it, it, what the research shows is both are, are still good. So you have that full 12 days. You don't have to overthink, you know, where you got to be in that 12 days. Just like you said, Bill, like it might be out of your hands anyway. It's just get it scheduled, try to make sure they know, you know, when it should be in that those stages and it's ready and, you know, let the planes and the sprayers do their job from there. Yeah, you usually don't wait till it's fully tasseled to call. No. You want to make sure you're calling ahead of time. Ahead of time. You know, I I think two, three weeks ago already we were starting to have that conversation. It's like, okay, this is how far, how close we are to tassel. Like, if you're going to do it, let's talk to the co-op, talk to your applicator, figure it out. Like, and then we'll tell them, we'll tell, we'll give them a call again when we're, when we're ready. Because like, like we've been talking, we don't want... Oh, I see a tassel. Let's go. It's you really want it to be as close to fully tassel as possible to to get started. Yep. And Bill had two podcasts ago. We had talked about that a bunch of scheduling. Now, okay, where are we? You know, how many leaves to tassel? Here's the schedule. And um, looking back from kind of how the weather went, we were pretty pretty spot on with a lot of those predictions. And then basically now is just. I got a lot of farms just worried about, okay, when in that schedule and it, and like I'm more re we're researching it. It's just, you know, let, let them spray when they can spray. So that's, that's kind of a, a good big window where I think part of it is we're used to with winter wheat fungicide is it's a very exact timing. Yeah. Right. When that, you know, right when anthesis starts or pollen is thrown, you know, and it's heading and not, you know, you need the heads out, but you need pollen to be going and, this one isn't quite like that. You know, I think your window is a little bit bigger. So that window is probably, what, four to six days, would you guys agree? I don't it's, It just seems like it's a lot quicker we, this week. Week at the max, right? Yeah. yeah. And this one, like I said, you got 12 days. I do have a couple guys that they own their own sprayers. We were going to do our own spraying last year. And then because the corn got so tall last year, we ended up going in a couple fields and just wrecking them because... 
it was too tall and the corn the sprayer was breaking off so we ended up bringing the plane in last year and that was like a neighborhood disaster because all of a sudden now you got like this plane flying everywhere and the neighbors got all upset upset so the farm's like we will do whatever we have to do this year to make sure the sprayer can do it because I'm not dealing with the airplane this year like we did last year. So they actually went. What were they upset? Like, did they have they a spray yeah. poison. Did they have ah. a poison? Just, I think it draws more attention. Oh, a lot right? more attention. Oh, yeah. We yeah. just say it, it's an air show. Right, like, yeah, right. So, I mean, it draw, it's the old... Uh, it's the old semi truck manure thing versus hosing, right? You you just draw more attention when because you, you see it going by, and you're right? Like, what and are just, they doing? And then they get calls like, "Oh, my horses are out," or "Or my steer," you know. Just everybody gets or they Google it and they're like, "Oh, right, it's death, yeah. liquid death." <laughs> well, that is one good thing to explain. Is in general, fungicides are quite safe, you know, compared to an insecticide or other well, things. And that goes that to our way. conversation, Todd, yesterday yeah. about do you throw insecticide in or not? And if you get some of that, right, those neighbor issues where you do, then, then you'd want right. to have just the fungicide in, yes. Yeah. No, my mother in law lives next to one of your farms, Bill, and she gets very upset when she sees the plane. <laughs> and I tried to explain to her that it's not really anything she needs to worry about, but. And I don't know anything. I only work in agriculture. <laughs> don't listen to me. Why? Why should don't I be considered an I'm expert? Just a doctor. No, yeah. When the internet can tell you so many other things <laughs> that must be true, or your neighbor, or just some random person at right. work. Oh yeah, no, I I used to fly those planes. Sure, you did. Mm-hmm. And then switching gears into soybeans. So kind of that's the corn timing. Soybeans timing specific to white mold is kind of looking into that is is that our three stage of soybeans that's full flower and we're just starting to kind of get into that state our um our two our three i feel like we're pretty strong yeah in those stages right now beans in general seem for being photo period sensitive that they're supposed to go off of you know when the days get shorter um they're they are not always acting that way so um it is good to check each field to see what stage you're at and the bigger part with soybeans I was finding, and this is from um, Damon Smith on his um, blog, basically said that it's really important to watch for uh, as rain comes in. So white mold is caused by, you know, is from spores underneath. And when we get that rain, it kind of splashes them up on the leaves and, yep. and on the flowers. Basically what you're trying to protect is those flowers. So one of the things really to watch with that is, you know, you you got a wide window there, too, between R2 and R3 to spray, but you do want to watch that timing that if you see a week of rain coming um, or know there's you know, sort of more rainy weather forecasted, it'd be a good idea to get it on ahead of that rain. So that is uh, one, one thing is I, I mean, I knew rain was important, but I didn't realize that it was kind of a lot of the timing to do with whether these work for fungicide or, you know, to stop white mold or not it had a lot to do with when that rain did come and that you're ahead of it and protecting that. So I'd be curious to know how, uh, how ahead of it, it that Damon is saying, like how many days I actually have one farm that this year for the, he's always got white mold. Just the beans look great in August and then September it's like, Ooh, baby. So this year he decided to spend the money. We did the double approach application. And the second, I just looked up in my email when the co-op sent the application record was, um, 
Tuesday last week. We did the second pass. And then, of course, we got that the rain over the weekend. Saturday. Yep. So four days. Well, I think that'd be perfect. I would hope so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's just whatever the rain fast is on the, the fungicide. Right, so. you wouldn't want it to come off, but it's going to have, I'm sure, a couple weeks, you know, yeah. of holding it. Yeah. So, yeah, as long as it's not raining as you're applying the fungicide, that's right. probably not right. not ideal. <laughs> Just a guess. Yeah, and the so for beans, just kind of keep an eye out for that. And the there is some good tools out there now to help for assessing these risks, and we'll get into those in some other podcasts maybe in future years, but Tar Spotter and... In white mold, it's um, spore caster, and those are ones where it kind of helps you also see. And I think really like spore caster is just showing weather when it's kind of a good time to target white mold. So I think the rain does take into account in that app as well. So it'll give you a higher risk um, because I know on Saturday there was rain coming, um, and I had some higher risk fields, and then it somewhat dropped off after the rain. Um, but it also takes into account you know humid how much humidity there is, how long, how long leaf wetness is out there, which is things that, I don't know, we, we can't seem to wrap our brain. You know, it feels humid. and Well, that, it, it all depends on canopy, too. A lot of uh, beans right. canopied later this year, so there was yep. more airflow, right. which means less which, time which with leaf wetness. White mold a yeah. lot. And yeah. from now, moving forward, it's, your potential is probably greater just because of the fact that moisture is going to hang in there in that canopy longer. I feel like some of the mornings have been windier, breezier, too. Hopefully that helps dry it out faster. I, I, I mean, we wear rain pants and boots just to protect, protect ourselves from dew more than rain ever. Um, oh, I just wear mine to collect sweat. Yeah. But no, there <laughs> is that fine line, though, of like, you know, when do you take the rain pants off at what time? And I feel like it's been, the, it's been drier. In, you know that you could take them off by 10 a.m. and your pants still get so like you say, Matt. Though usually you get soaked from sweat, so it you, doesn't really. Yeah, work. you can't really tell it. But once you take them off, you're like, oh. Hmm. But yes, I would. You know, hopefully that helps in in a little less white mold this fall. Um, but they, these are both really hard. so in corn. You know, looking for corn disease and beans, they're very tough to scout for because by the time you have them. A lot of times these stages, it's past those time, spray times. Yep. So by the time you see the tar spot and then go to spray it, I don't want to say it's too late to do it. You still may want to do it, but a lot of times the, it's past, you know, rarely do we see tasseling corn full of tar spot. It's just, it, it yeah. comes on later than that. The call is coming from in the house. Yes. It's already, it's already there. It's already there. And white mold is even worse with that where it infects the flowers. So you literally can't. I don't want to say you can't scout for white mold, but it's just extremely difficult. Yeah, no, I it, mean, it, it is. Doesn't, I mean, you, you, you can, can watch scout for, the, for it. Yeah, <laughs> we all scout for it. Right, and we're and we're Which watching. Can't do Jack for indicator. Right, right. right. You can watch for the the mushrooms yes. and everything else, but we're looking for mushrooms. Um, but yeah, it's just a tough one that way. Uh, cons- I don't know what's getting oh, angry. Oh, that's the uh, robot vacuum. Yes, she's, she's getting angry. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that, but. Uh, we got yelled at by our housekeeper. <laughs> the robot. <clears throat> Apparently, we're taking too long. Housekeeping. Yeah, and I, I don't know what you guys are seeing, but I, uh, in this particular area around Seymour, I, I was not quite R three beginning of this week. In beans, it was getting close, but right. 
I would agree. Yeah. We were in a lot of beans looking. It seemed it is full flower time right now. So, I yeah. mean, you're, you're kind of in that stage where watch for rain and get it ahead of that, and you should be good to go. Yeah. All right. So, there you go. There's some thoughts and recommendations for looking at fungicide on your corn and beans. Now, we'll move into our spotlight for today. If Todd plays the right music. I was going to already wrap it up. Man. Yeah, we were done. Housekeeper yelled at us. Time to go. Get out. I need to clean. All right. New herbicide approved for use in 2023. And that herbicide is Tom Cruise. I mean, Maverick. The Maverick corn herbicide from Valent USA. Uh, herbicide has received EPA approval. Set to control tough broadleaves, including water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail, as well as annual grasses. As I say, three modes of action. And those are clopyrrolid, mesotrione, and pyroxysulfone. So Maverick provides growers the operational flexibility they need to make most of their weed management program. So that would be a, if you're familiar with Herbicide names Stinger, Callisto, and Zidua. Half Stinger. Half Stinger. No, it'd be Stinger. Sorry, half I'm Hornet. thinking Half Hornet. Yes. Half Hornet. Half Hornet. <laughs> There's no... Hornets have python. a Stinger. Yes. Thanks, Todd. Python. What? Where's the python? <laughs> this would be an interesting herbicide of like where... It doesn't feel like it'd have enough grass control. Well, it's you, there to control uh, tough broadleaves. Correct. Though. So I'm, right I'm just wondering what, like, you know, where how we'd use it in the toolbox, like what you tank mix it with, and if it would just be a dual or, uh, well, you can do you pre, know, yeah, pre-plant or up to 18-inch corn, so you would have some opportunity to go sure, so over the top. You could do yeah. like a early post, add some some grass, like a dual or dual like or a light dual roundup and roundup and this, yeah. and yeah, you could almost have like, like it seems like this is kind of the way they're going, even like. Acuron GT, or it's a post-only label. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a post-only label, but and especially if you're looking at controlling water hemp, we know that later is better. I mean, just because it it tends to come on later, so that seems to be the way things are are moving. The name is great, Maverick. Like, yep, we it's had timely. T- we I, had Top I, Gun Maverick, and now we have Maverick Herbicide. Like, there's no way they, you know, you're getting these names. Oh, I suppose Top Gun takes a while to like. Do you think it is any coincidence or not? Like, I just. I believe the, I you're. Well, they probably marketing wise probably would have named it a, a while ago, yeah. but it's maybe, ironic. I, right, maybe they changed saying, it. Like, I don't know. May, yeah, they, maybe that's a huge fan of Tom Cruise. I'll be that honest, named I'm it surprised there's not already a herbicide called that or like some sort of. All I know is that you're legally required to play danger zone in the sprayer nice, yes. as you're going through the field. That's that's all I know. It's right here in if you read the MSDS uh, labels in the says, sprayer while you're mixing. If you're trying to sell it, if you're trying to buy it, it's all danger yes. zone all the time. Kenny Loggins forever. I put the the logo on there, and either I don't understand it or it's really lame. But like the, it's just like a shield looking I don't it it's I just thought you could have it really cool logo with this herbicide not that herbicides usually have very cool logo but it just yeah I'm sorry I disappointed you Todd yeah it was not it was not as cool 
Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, that is an interesting look. All right, let's move into our GDU update. So we are, I would say for the most part, right into corn pollination for most of the corn around here. Get north of here, it's a little, little behind. Some tassels popping out, but I, the further north you go, the seems the less you see. So here in, or up in Cribbets, to date, as of May 1st, they are at 1366 for GDUs. Their normal is 1204, so they are 162 above normal. And in the next 14 days, they are predicted to hit 1692. So, like we said, another warm week next week. Looks like they're going to build some more GDUs up that way. They need the rain up north, though. That's the biggest issue. Some areas have been quite dry. Some areas are quite wet. So you got both up there, you know, like depending where what you get in um, southern Ocano County, and they got they've been like, hitting the rain. Yeah, yeah, they got two. They were like a week ago today when I was up there. It was like ooh, corn curling everywhere. But they got a couple inches in that last storm. So. Yeah. Here in Seymour, to date, we have 1396. Our normal is 1374, so we are only 22 GDUs above normal. That's that's almost, I mean, it's normal, right? You know, like right. 22 above is basically a day. So you're saying, like, we always talk, like, what is normal anymore? Uh, well, like, right. Like, if people normal? are like, are we ahead or behind? And I'm like, we're just, it's just normal. Well, it feels, you know, and I get... Well, it, it feels different feels because di- we've gotten a lot of GDUs in... Sh- in spurts, yeah, because we had cold day, cold weeks, and then all of a sudden we'd have hot weeks, hot we- yeah, and we'd, we'd but I don't know if that's normal too, you know, like yeah, I I, I, not, I don't think to the extent eh. we had it this year, it's it's not usually it's it's gotten better, more consistent as we've gotten later into summer. But agreed. Early agreed. early in season, it but, was, but it is just weird to say very like, manic. You know, guys like anything corn silage we had to normal or behind. It's like it'll be normal. It's just to be normal. Like it's. When do you normally harvest? Well, second, third week of September. Yeah. Be ready to yep, go. It's not going to be September 1st. If, if maybe since like COVID stuff has not been normal at all, <laughs> that it's still weird to like, yeah, like, just, it's just normal. We can actually be normal now, right? Well, some of us were never normal, <laughs> but. Speak for yourself, Matt. I am. Uh, Sun Prairie to date there at 1600. Their normal is 1395. So they are 205 GDUs ahead of. Normal, and they are looking at hitting 1963 in the next two weeks. So they will be, again, that, continuing to build. That's an unreal amount. Some prairie, ever since we started doing this, is always... And they're ahead of last year. They're even. always way ahead yep. of their normal, so I don't know what, what why. It's, it's interesting. And them to be almost hitting the 2,000 mark you know, by mid-August is unreal. Yeah. So, yeah, for most listeners, I mean, a 95-day corn takes around 2,200 to 2,400 GDUs. So, like, they would have mature corn, black-layered corn, but, you know, if you're planting that low day length, which they're not. Right. But, yeah, it's just kind of a, yeah, really, really neat. But they could. They could have. All right. So that's your GDU update. All right, thanks, Matt, and thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. That's all we ask is that 
you, have, you talk to a farmer friend and say, hey, you should listen to this. When you see him at the fair this week at whatever county fair you're at, tell him about Tilt Talk Radio. You can get it on your iPhone through Apple Podcasts. You search Tilt Talk Radio. And on Android, we like the apps Podcast Addict, Podbean, and Player FM. Search Tilt Talk Radio on those and you'll find us. To listen on your computer or smartphone browser, you go to tiltegg.com slash podcast. We're also now available on Amazon Music, which means your smart speaker can play our podcast. You tell Alexa, play Tilt Talk Radio, and we'll pop right up. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. Thanks, Dad. All right. Now we'll move into Cool Beans. That's corny for some current events. So, Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans that also kind of turned into a that's corny a little bit this week is Ukraine and Russia reached a deal to safely export grains to the Black Sea, but the ships are not ready yet to take the risk, probably because Russia bombed one of the ports not too long ago after this deal was announced. But, uh, yeah, it, it has affected... the some pricing things. Shipping companies are not rushing to export the millions of tons of grain trapped in Ukraine, despite a deal to provide safe corridors through the Black Sea with between Russia and Ukraine. Complexities of the agreement have set off a slow, cautious start, but it's only good for 120 days. And the clock started ticking last week. So This is a cool beans only because you hope for the people, the farmers in Ukraine that they do have a way to to farm? I mean, I just I cannot imagine... Well, and they've got a picture here of farming around a bomb crater, basically. Uh, so you can see the impact, and then there's a pile of dirt, and then you can see where the farmer has been harvesting around that. So just Made a circle with the combine right yep. around it. So yeah, hopefully... It, just, just to farm there is... In a war zone would be impossible, and then the fact that yeah, how do you even market your grain and ex? What, yeah, it's just got to be extremely difficult. And hopefully, this agreement, you know, they that Russia sticks to it and that it it they can export some of it and that it does work. One can only hope. Yeah. All right, and our that's corny this week is what will 14 inches of rain in one day do to crops? Well, there's if you go on AgWeb, you can find a series of pictures that will show you. Um, you know, areas around the country have seen enormous swings in weather. Uh, you know, we talked the last couple of weeks about the Dakotas and some places getting hail like every couple of days, just destroying crops. And now Missouri, uh, especially particularly around the area of St. Louis, uh, can show what too much rain can do, especially when it falls in a matter of hours. Uh, farmers on both the Missouri and Illinois side surrounding St. Louis went from worried about drought to not being able to see their fields, pretty much. I mean, you can see power poles and kind of where grass edges and stuff were, but uh, just a lot of water in a short amount of time. Total accumulation, um, basically a line through O'Fallon, St. Louis, Shiloh Valley of like 14.2. The low side's like 9.2. So no matter how you slice it, it's a lot of a lot of moisture, a lot of rain. So 
just some some ugly, ugly stuff, not um, dissimilar to what we saw in Nebraska a few years back when they had some pretty torrential rains and and flooding areas. So, yeah, not a great day to be. Those it's hard because hopefully the rain. I mean, they didn't need the rain, right? So you just needed to, yeah. Remember not to pr- wash yeah, everything away. Right. So, so they, it was just the amount in in one quick time, and all of a sudden you see flooded crop. You know, you say, "Oh, it'd be great to get rain," but you know, there's soybeans underwater that you know you know wash soil up on those beans. You know, that's gonna be a problem. Corn usually probably can handle a little better because the cobs up higher, but. It did say it kind of messed with some pollination on corn too, so that would just be a kick in the butt too. That yeah, you, you, they've got some pictures of some allegedly pollinated cobs here with you know two to ten kernels on them. Just yeah, yeah. So I mean, that'd be just difficult too. Is there's just things you wouldn't having a drought before that probably wrecked it that way where it didn't pollinate and then just then it's just underwater so yeah it just be, be lots of silage probably if, yeah if it does survive down there so all right well that'll do it for this week guys thanks for being here one of you's gotta say oh yeah thanks for thanks having us, us man <laughs> you there, there your, you go you could do your max impression <laughs> do my max impression i don't have a max impression todd <laughs> i know we don't talk about those things on air. Um, <clears throat> so thanks for listening. Uh, this week we talked fungicide and some timing for corn and beans. In our spotlight, we looked at the new Maverick herbicide on label for next year, 2023. GDU update to let you know where we're at with the growing degree units. And our cool beans this week was a Ukraine-Russia deal to export grain. That's corny. Was the deluge of rain received in Missouri around the St. Louis area? So, thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.